Luke chapter 2. Only one of the Gospels has this account. And uh, yet it's in there for us. You know, everything in Scripture is for our, uh, our doctrine, for our learning, for our proof, reproof and correction, all those different things for us. And this is a story of our shepherds. And so we're going to look at what God has uh, written down for us and, and uh, draw some applications, hopefully learn a couple of things. Um, and we'll open with a word of prayer. Lord, I do, I do thank you for your word. I thank you that we can study it. God, that you can, you can speak to us uh, even all these years later through it. The Holy Spirit can speak to our hearts, and I pray that that would happen tonight. I pray that you'd just guide me this evening, guide my thoughts, guide my words, uh, and help me just to, to um, be able to convey this message that I believe that you've given me. I pray in your name. Amen. The shepherds were, were a unique, unique group of people. You know, apart from Mary and Joseph, they were the first people to hear about the birth of the Savior. And, uh, and so it's a special, a special class of people. And, and often we could ask the question, I know I asked the question, why the shepherds? You know, why would they be the first to know? Why would they get this, uh, this, this, um, this message from the angels and, and get to have that experience? And honestly, the Bible doesn't say. And so I have to be very careful that I don't put my thoughts in there and, and tell you some reasons. You know, our, our pastor a couple weeks ago talked about context and talked about not, you know, not putting things in Scripture that aren't there. And so there goes all my sermon ideas and all the rest. And so I'll be very careful. I'm not saying this is what the Scripture says, okay? God does not tell us the why, but we do have it in Scripture. And so there are some things that are there that we can, I believe, learn from. Um, there, are, there are truths that are there um, that reveal things, you know, and, and often when I look at uh, uh, scriptural stories, I try and find parallels um, and, uh, and see how do I relate, all right? I, I know I'm not the Jews. I'm not a, a part of that nation of Israel, but if I was, what would, what would my actions or decision, decisions sorry, had been? Um, and so we're going to look at this this evening. Uh, and, and so why the shepherds? And, and to put simply, it fulfills God's plan. God had a purpose. God had a specific reason. And even if we don't know the why, it glorifies God. And we'll see that as we go through our scripture this evening. I'm sorry, Rob. Am I, is it too close to my mouth? We're okay? All right. Luke chapter 2. Uh, we'll begin reading in verse number 8. And they were in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. There's, there's a lot of debate. If you have Bible commentaries and, and you've read different things about the whole uh, discussion on when was Jesus born, you know, and, and I don't think anyone would go and say December 25th, you know. Uh, and so we have all these different arguments and, and uh, considerations, and honestly, we, we just don't know. Um, there, there's different reasons that people would say that he was born during this time. Um, but nevertheless, the, the, the shepherds were out in the field. You know, and, and uh, there was times that they would be in the, in the um, sheepfold, they'd be uh, protected from the elements, but on this evening in particular, they were outside, they were exposed, they were watching the sheep, they were um, uh, taking care of their responsibilities, uh, and, and they had a very special responsibility. Uh, the town of Bethlehem was known for uh, raising the lambs that were used in temple worship or used for the sacrifices in temple worship. And so those lambs were, were not just uh, to provide food and not just to provide clothing, but they were used for the worship 
of the of the Jews and and what they had to do, and and so that had very unique uh, responsibilities that had very specific responsibilities. Of course, if we uh, think about what lambs they were allowed to sacrifice, they had to be a male without spot or blemish, uh, one year old, uh, and and many parallels could be made to Jesus Christ our Savior. But we're we're not going to go off into that this evening. But nevertheless, those shepherds weren't just um, just, I don't want to say uh, not regular shepherds, but they, they did have a little bit of a more uh, uh, important role. They were watching those lambs, likely, that would, would have been sacrificed that following year. And so it was a very special um, uh, responsibility. The lambs that they were watching uh, were, were very important to, to protect, very important that they weren't injured, all the different things. They had to watch what they were eating, all those different things. Um, and so they were very diligent. They, were, uh, they had these responsibilities, and so they were out in the field, uh, in, uh, in the same country, shepherds were abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Verse 9, and lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. Now, in the Old Testament, when we see the angel of the Lord, there are times that that's just a generic angel of the Lord, and then there are times that that's what we would call a Christophany, where it was representing Jesus Christ uh, before he was, uh, was born. And obviously now, Christ had been born. And so we wouldn't believe that this is a Christophany. We would say that this would uh, be a, a generic angel of the Lord. God doesn't give us a name. You know, there, there's times when you see Gabriel or Michael. Uh, but in this case, it, the, the Bible doesn't give us the name. But the Bible says that the angel of the Lord came upon them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about what that glory was. What was it that the, the shepherds were able to witness? And this is something that, that I don't believe any of us have, have a, a unique experience like this. If you go with me into the, uh, the Old Testament, we'll go to the book of Exodus. And we're going to look at uh, a couple instances where the Bible records uh, descriptions of what the glory of the Lord looked like. And they're not always the same. They will vary from, from, uh, from record to record, from uh, the, the person experiencing it that God had revealed himself to. And the first one that we'll see is uh, when Moses went up Mount Sinai. In Exodus chapter 24, in verse number 16, the Bible says, And the glory of the Lord abode upon Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days, and on the seventh day he called unto Moses out of the midst of the cloud. And the Bible gives us a description, verse 17, and the sight of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on the top of the mountain in the eyes of the children of Israel. Could you imagine that, seeing a mountain? That mountains are huge. If you've ever been out to the, the Rocky Mountains or the different mountains, uh, um, in Canada, you, you know, from miles away, from kilometers away, you can see those things. And imagine being the children of Israel, they're at the bottom of Mount Sinai, they look up and it's just fire. The Bible uses uh, the description of cloud uh, and a devouring fire on the top of that mountain. And that's what they, that's what God chose to, to reveal to Israel what his glory looked like. Go with me to 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles chapter number 7 uh, we find when the, the first temple was built, Solomon was able to build that temple. Um, and when they dedicated the temple, uh, we find another example of seeing the glory of God. Second Chronicles 7, verse number 1. Now when Solomon had made an end of praying, the fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the house. 
And the priest could not enter into the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. And when all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord um, upon the house, they bowed themselves uh, with their faces to the ground upon the pavement and worshiped and praised the Lord saying, uh, for he is good and his mercy endureth forever. So another example of what that would look like, a little bit different, but still it was, it was a thing uh, that was so powerful, so captivating that their response was one of worship. You know, I, I was talking with someone recently just uh, about art and uh, um, some of us can appreciate art, some of us couldn't be bothered, you know. Um, but how many guys would just enjoy, one of my favorite things to do on vacation is just sitting on the beach or on a dock or on a boat and just watching the sunset. And, and I just, I find that so, uh, so beautiful, so relaxing. And, and I believe God created us to appreciate beauty, to allow uh, things that we see to, to move us, to captivate us, to, to have an emotional response. And when people come in and, and, and have an experience with the glory of God, it changes them. And so as we think about in the Old Testament, uh, not everyone got to see the glory of God. Not everyone got to experience that. In Ezekiel 10, 18, we find uh, Israel is about to be judged. That first temple is about to be destroyed because of idolatry. And in Ezekiel 10, 18, the, the Bible talks about God's glory leaving that temple. And we don't have another, uh, another reference in Scripture, and, and if I'm wrong, please, please correct me. I was not able to find another reference in Scripture after that point where God's glory was visible. And we would believe that that, that took place in 586 B.C., so almost 600 years, at least 500 years, that the children of Israel, at least recorded in Scripture, did not see the glory of God. And now, fast forward... On this night, God chooses to reveal his glory once again. And what we see here, go back to the book of Luke in, in chapter 2. We'll, we'll continue reading. The angel of the Lord came upon them, and then God gave them a glimpse. God gave them just a little bit of what God's glory is like. You know, if, if we had time, we could go through Revelation and all the, 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 the beauty and the imagery that's there about what heaven's going to be like when we can see the glory of God, when we're not, when we're not uh, held back from that. And just for, just for a, a moment here, God says, it's okay, I'm going to show you the glory of God. And look at what their response was. The glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. Now, I've prepared a, a, um, a slide here to try and, and illustrate something or to try and show something. As I was studying this, and if you see those words in our, in our Bible, it's so afraid. But it comes from three words, uh, and I'm not even going to try and pronounce them. The teens already make fun of me because I, I pronounce words funny sometimes. But it, it has uh, three words to describe what we, what we see here as so afraid. And it literally translates great, and then you have seized with alarm, and terror or fear or dread. That is what they experienced. They, they, I, you know, I don't know if the shepherds knew exactly what they saw, or, or if they did, maybe they were scared, you know, um, we're, we're dead. You know, how are we going to, you know, move past this? We're seeing the glory of God. And so they were terrified. They, they just, the expression on their face was, um, was one of, of, of distraught, of, of ter- uh, being terrified or being afraid. And, you know, I wonder if the angel saw that, you know, and well, obviously he saw that. 
Uh, and, and look what he says. He says, fear not. And isn't that a great thing? You know, when we, um, when we can have, that's the message. Uh, the very first thing that that angel says is, hey, hey don't worry. You know, this, this, don't be afraid. Don't, don't have terror. Don't be captivated by that. Don't be um, uh, just, just frozen in fear. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. Now, I have the next slide as well. Um, that great joy uses those same words. Uh, mega, which is great, and then joy or gladness. And so it's neat that God would write that down, that they had great fear, and then the message of that angel was, I bring tidings of great joy. And that, that's just a neat thing to me, that God would match their fear. As scared as they were, God says, my joy is greater than that. My, my, the message that we bring is, is more than your, what you're scared of right now. I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. And we know that message. We know uh, specifically that's speaking to the, the children of Israel, but eventually that message would also be to the Gentiles. And aren't you glad that God gave the gospel to the Gentiles as well? None of us. <laughs> I don't know of any uh, people with, with Jewish ancestry here tonight. We're all Gentiles, as far as I know. And I am glad that God, uh, that that message, that good tidings of great joy is literally to all people. Verse 11, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And then that's just, just, a, a, just wrap your mind around that. You know, the Jews constantly were looking for a Messiah, waiting, waiting, waiting. Uh, and, and as we talked about, they had gone through uh, the, the temple period being destroyed, all those different things. We would say that they were in a, a, a silent period where they didn't have prophets, they didn't have that, that um, guidance from God, perhaps. And so they're just waiting, waiting, waiting. And those shepherds, no doubt, even if they weren't um, the most religious of Jews, you know, uh, they would have known. You know, that was baked right into their culture, that they were waiting for a Messiah. And now to see the angel of the Lord and the glory of the Lord, and then his message is tonight. Tonight the Savior has been born. In the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And, and I try and just imagine what that would be like. You know, on, on the happiest day of your life, something that you've been looking forward to, maybe you were, um, you know, uh, waiting for the results from something or waiting for an outcome, and then you just get that good news, that phone call. You know, and you just breathe a sigh of relief, you know. Um, and, and I just try and picture what those, those shepherds experienced. When that message, you know, the angel told them, don't be afraid. Let's deal with that first. Don't be terrified. Don't be scared of what, what's taking place. I have a message for you. It's great joy. The Savior is born. Verse 12, they, uh, the, the angel gives them a sign. You know, if you, if you think about it, you know, they didn't have uh, pictures, Right? So how would they know what Jesus looks like? And so the angel gives them a sign. This shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. You know, and we could talk about all the different things that that implies and all the different lessons. But at the end of the day, it was just a sign. You know, you guys, you get to go see him. Not only has the Savior been born, but I'm going to show you where he is. I'm going to give you the, the, um, what you need to go and find him. And so they did. They were told, this is a sign. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. 
You know, what a sign of a humble beginnings of a savior. You know, we could talk about how Christ deserved to be born in a kingdom, in a palace. And yet he was born in a stable, surrounded by animals, you know, in such a humble beginning. And yet that was our savior. That's what God chose. In Luke 2, verse 7, the Bible says, She brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Imagine that, no room for the Savior of the world, for God being born, and there was no room for him. Verse 13 is, is just kind of like that cherry on top. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, uh, again, if you're, if you're going through this in your imagination, one angel scared them, right? And now, the host of angels. You know, and I was thinking in the Old Testament, uh, in 2 Kings verse six, uh, chapter 6, verse 17, uh, the Bible says, And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. And I wonder if that's what God did. You know, those angels were there. They were watching. They were participating. And then God said, you know what? We're going to show them a little bit more. You know? And, and again, I, I don't know the why. We just know what God has recorded for us. And he gave those shepherds just a glimpse further of what heaven would be like. And again, why the shepherds? Why, why not some religious people? Why not people that we would have high regard for. And God chose them. And so he reveals to them um, the, the heavenly host, the multitude, uh, praising God. Uh, and, and there's a song that the choir sing. I, I forget which cantata. Uh, I think it's just called Joy, Joy. Uh, and uh, talking about uh, Gabriel, get your horn and, and play the trumpet. And I get chills every single time we hear that song or we got to sing that song. And, I, and uh, uh, Jim Wood's in the ensemble with me, and as, we'll, we'll sing some songs, and every now and then he'll walk over and, you know, point at his arm, I got goosebumps, oh, I got chills too. You know, and, and again, God designed us, created us to have those emotional responses to, to things that we see, to things that we hear. And I can just imagine what those shepherds got to experience. And there's a, honestly, there's a piece of me that's kind of jealous you know, that they could see the host of heaven singing. You know, we, we had a wonderful cantata, and, and don't get me wrong, the choir did an amazing job, but I can't wait to hear the choir of heaven. Yeah. I can't wait to hear those angels. And uh, just, just the, the magnificence that that would be. And so the Bible says, there is with them, with the angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. You know, it wasn't just a, a matter of delivering a message to those shepherds. They got to worship God at the same time. You know, and, and we'll talk about that in our, our application at the end, but it's like those angels, they were there for it, they got to witness it, and they just couldn't contain themselves anymore. Oh, oh, I want to I praise God too, you know? And um, just glorifying God. Uh, and then, so they glorify God, and they also they, they, they talk about peace on earth. And wouldn't you know, our world still needs that message of peace today, right? Uh, and then also goodwill toward men. Verse 15, and it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said one to another, let's go. And I, I paraphrase there a little bit. But they, they heard this message 
They got to worship with those angels, no doubt. And again, in that message, the, the angel told them, this is going to be a sign. This is where you'll find them. And so I imagine when those angels went away, they're like, well, they told us where to go. They told us what to look for. Let's go. Let, let's go find the Savior. Um, and so the Bible says that uh, uh, as the angels were gone away from them to heaven, the shepherds said one to another, let's now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And I, I don't get the... the indication there that there is a doubt or a question. You know, some of us honestly would say, well, I don't know. I won't believe it till I see it. You know, I don't, I don't get that. It, it's possible, but I get it as, as they said, look, the Savior is born. This is awesome. Let's just, let's go see him. Let, let's go and worship. Let's go and see um, uh, our Messiah, our Savior. And so they made haste, uh, verse 16. They came with haste. They found uh, Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. You know, and, and we talk about how do we know that Scripture is authentic? How do we know? Um, and, and one of the big things we talk about is uh, fulfilled prophecy. You know, if that uh, angel, angel had said, uh, you'll go and you'll find the babe um, sitting on the corner of West and, and East Fifth, you know, that's where they would find him. And this is a little prophecy, and it's just an extra little um, uh, proof, if they needed anything, that, uh, that the angel had spoken uh, truth to them. And they go and they find him just exactly as the, ba- as the angel had said, a babe lying in a manger. Um, and, and just f- they were able to see what they had been told about. And I want us to see in verse 17 what their response to that was. Um, after they got to see that, what, what took place in their heart? And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. They couldn't keep it to themselves. You know, and, and uh, when there's a baby born, I know in our family, um, you know, we, uh, uh, Amanda would give birth, and then there's a, a time just the, the two of us together, and, and then we'd start making all the phone calls, you know, and you'd call grandma and grandpa, oh, we have a baby boy, and oh, we'll be right there. Um, and, and, you know, all you grandparents out there, you just, you wait by the phone. I remember when uh, Ida and, and Pastor Fury, when their kids were having uh, their grandbabies, oh, they wait for that phone call, and then they're gone, and got to go see that, that grandbaby, you know. And, and that's kind of the idea I, I see here. Those shepherds, they got the message, they went and saw Jesus, and then they just, they couldn't, they couldn't not tell somebody. Their, their heart was just overflowing, and they had to share what they had heard. And I want us to notice, the angel had not told them to tell anybody. You know, I, I don't know if there was more dialogue there. The Bible just records uh, what we've read so far. You know, but there was no command, hey, go see Jesus and then go and, and start preaching. You know, go see Jesus and then go start giving testimony of what you saw. They did that out of their own, uh, uh, just an overflowing of their heart. It was so good for them to see the Messiah, they had to share it. They had to go and tell other people. Uh, verse 18, and all they that heard wondered. You know, they didn't get the same experience. Those shepherds, they had an angelic host. They had a message from God. They went and they saw the, the sign was just what they, what they had been told it would be. And so then they go and tell people. And the Bible says that the, the people that heard it from them wondered. You know, the, I, I, and I get that idea that, oh, that's nice. 
you know, you guys are nuts. <laughs> you know, you guys are crazy. Um, you, you were watching the sheep and then you heard what? And you saw what? You know, again, all those other people in Bethlehem, they hadn't seen the glory of God. We're talking hundreds of years. You know, if, if, in the, in, if you study the children of Israel, they could forget something. The Bible talks about the remembrance, right? They could forget something within a year. You know, they're walking in the wilderness. God brings them out of Egypt. God does all these wonderful things, and then they murmur. And they forgot just months before that they had walked across the Red Sea on dry ground. You know, and, and then we talk about different generations, generations that would serve the Lord, generations that would rebel, and they would forget what their fathers had, had experienced. And so we're talking hundreds of years, likely, possibly, um, that the children of Israel had seen any, any example of the glory of the Lord. You know, and so for these shepherds to come and say, we saw angels, we saw the glory of God. And, and those people would say, well, I didn't. I didn't get to see it. You know, when, when, um, when Saul, who became Paul, was on the Damascus Road, the, the people who were with him saw the light, but they didn't hear the voice. And I, and I wonder, in my mind, if God op- only opened the eyes of those shepherds. Maybe there are other people that were, would have been close enough nearby. You know, if you do fireworks uh, across town, you can see it quite a ways away. And if that whole sky had lit up with the heavenly host, you would think everyone in Bethlehem would have saw. You know, the, the choir of heaven is singing praise to God. The earth should have shook. And everyone in Bethlehem would have said, what's going on? But I wonder if just those shepherds were given that privilege. And now those people in Bethlehem, they, well, I was up last night. I didn't hear anything. I was up. I didn't see anything in the sky. And so, you know, there, there was probably some doubt, probably some wondering um, you know, did they sound like they were crazy? Did they sound like, oh, we've been waiting for the Messiah and now he's born in a stable? You know, maybe the people that heard that message from the shepherds didn't, didn't believe. Now, I, I don't believe Christ would come this way. You know, he's going to be our king. He's going to be a ruler. He's going to be great. All these different um, ideas that they had had. You know, and I, I think that kind of is evidenced in, in uh, the account of the wise men. You know, and the wise men came to Jerusalem looking for Jesus. The Bible records in Matthew chapter 2, uh, verse 3, When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him in Bethlehem of Judea, For thus it is written, not because the shepherds say, not because the shepherds had, a, had a, a message from an angel and they saw the heavenly host and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. They had to go back to the prophecies. They didn't believe that Jesus had been, had been born yet. I don't, I don't believe from what we can tell. You know, and so that, that message of the shepherds likely fell on some deaf ears. But I would, I would dare say that it never stopped being real in those hearts of those shepherds. You know, I don't, I don't know how you could ever forget seeing God's glory. It would be, it would be hard, and, and may, you know, it's possible just with our human hearts, but I, I know that they couldn't explain it away, you know, that we would hear from God, that we would go and find the babe just as he had said. And, uh, and yet the people that they, that they tried to tell their story to perhaps didn't believe them. 
We continue on, verse 19, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And verse 20, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had seen as it was told unto them. You know, they, they had gone, they had seen Mary and Joseph and the babe, they told people in Bethlehem, and then they returned back to continue watching these sheep, to continue watching these lambs that they knew would be used in sacrifice, knowing and just waiting for that baby to grow, waiting for him to grow into a man and to fulfill all those prophecies. But they returned, and their response after everything that they saw and they heard was they glorified God and they praised him. And, and so as we think about this this evening, you know, there, there, I, I, I wrote down, but I, I struggled writing this sermon, you know, because I, I like to find neat things or I, I like to, um, you know, try and, and make a really in-depth study. But the, the story of the shepherds is really simple, you know, and, and we talk about the why. Why would God, you know, give this message to the shepherds? Why were they given a special preview of the glory of God? And again, it, it, we don't know the why, but we can, we can see some of the things that it reveals. And the first thing I think, it, it reveals his character. Uh, the last few weeks in our teen class, it's just, it's just how God's worked out in our, our study. But we've been talking about God using people who, who the world wouldn't choose first. You know, and when we, we look at Moses, what was Moses? He was a shepherd. We look at David, what was David? He was a shepherd. Uh, I mentioned Saul earlier. Saul was a murderer of Christians, and God turns him into a missionary. You know, and the, the things that God can do that we just, we would never be our first choice. In 1 Corinthians 1, verse 26, the Bible says, For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and base things of the world, the things which are despised, hath God chosen, yea, and the things which are not, to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. You know, I, I don't think there's any argument that the why behind God chose shepherds is because it glorified himself. You know, and I think that answers a lot of questions about why would God do something? It brings glory to him. Why would God choose someone who's so lowly? It brings glory to him. You know, and, and God may have other reasons, and, and, and you know, I'm, I'm the first one to acknowledge that, but it, it reveals his character that everything that he does, everything, how he operates is to glorify himself, and that's not a proud thing. That's not a, uh, you know, if, if I walked around and, and was wanting all the glory, you know, you'd say, I'm proud, I'm stuck up, I'm all these different things, but that's because I don't deserve it. God deserves it. And so for him to, be, to, to glorify himself, being worthy of that glory, it's not wrong. It's not, um, it's not, uh, it's not proud. It's not boasting. It's righteous. It's holy. It's, it's who God is. You know, the shepherds did not hold great positions of power. They were just common. And, and you know, I mentioned in our introduction, I love finding parallels you know, and I think many of us in this room, most of us in this room, would be in that kind of social caste 
as, as the shepherds. Yeah, none of us are great politicians. None of us are, are royalty. None of us are, are big and fancy and all these different things. And so if, if God appeared today, what occupation would he have appeared to? And it, it'd be common. It'd be, um, you know, the electricians, the plumbers, the, all the, you know, the teachers, all the different things that, that don't have all the, the flash and don't have all the, um, you know, the, the titles and all the rest. And that's, you know, that's why I think God showed up to the, the shepherds. Jesus' birth uniquely matched what the shepherds were tasked to ensure, that they would be, be looking after sacrificial lambs and yet God revealed to them the final sacrifice, that God would, would, would allow them to see that. You know, it was, a, it was a preview of the pattern of Christ's ministry. Uh, when Christ was on this earth, he was, um, I'll read it, Matthew chapter 9, verse 10, it came to pass as Jesus sat at meat in the house, behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, uh, they that behold need not a physician, but they that are sick. But go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And it just, it reveals the heart of God. It reveals his heart for us. It reveals his heart for the common man, not this righteous and not this religious crowd that was there at the time, but just the common folk. It reminds us that God is God. And I already mentioned these people, but for Paul, for Moses, for David, God used people that, that we may not have ever chosen, that, that wouldn't make sense on paper were the ones that God chose. And it reminds us that God is sovereign, that God has a plan. And lastly, what can we learn from these shepherds? Experiencing God's glory, seeing the Savior stirred something up in those shepherds. You know, we may not have uh, an angelic message, but we have what? We have God's word, which, which far exceeds the one or two lines that that angel gave them. You know, and I know we, we, we talked about the heavenly host and listening to the choir and all the rest, but we have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us. We have been so blessed. We have been so gifted and, and yet we are so timid. We are so complacent. You know, when those shepherds had that message, they saw Jesus, they had to share. They had to go and tell people. And that would be a challenge for us as we, as we wrap up this, this study of the shepherds, that it changed them. And I would, I would just suggest to us that our lives should be changed constantly, that we should be going and, t- and, and sharing that news, sharing that testimony, sharing... Hey, the Savior is born. You know, that's what this, this season's all about. It's not about the tree. It's not about the presence. Um, it's an opportunity for us to talk about Christ. And I would just, I would challenge you. I am going to um, remind myself as well to have that same excitement that those shepherds had. You know, to think back, when did you first meet Jesus? When did you see Jesus? When did he reach down and save you? You know, and let that impact you. Let that motivate you to, to, to go and to be a witness. What message has God given you? And I would just challenge you that. Let's not be quiet about it. Let's go. Let's go and tell. And then when those, uh, those uh, shepherds came back, they worship and they glorify God. And I think that's a great example. Let's pray together. Lord, we do love you. God, again, I thank you for a word. I thank you for the story of the shepherds. 
Um, God, not, not flashy, not uh, famous. God, we don't know their names. And God, you, you saw fit to give them just, just a glimpse of your glory. God, I pray as we just look at their lives and, and what did they do, God, it's, it's an example for us, perhaps. God, you've done so much for us, and I pray that we would just be willing to share that with others, to tell them of a Savior, to tell them that they can be forgiven. I pray that you'd give us the boldness to do that. We'll, we'll stand together and just give you an opportunity just to, to spend some time with the Lord and, and thank him for your salvation. Thank him for coming, being born as a baby, and also maybe an opportunity. God, show someone to me that I need to share the gospel with. Show someone that needs to hear this message and give us the boldness to do that.